Welcome to the Georgia High School Football Chat Podcast with Smitty and Banks. I am Coach Travis Smith, and my co-host is Coach Terrence Banks. What's going on, Coach? Man, I can't call it, brother. This is going to be a great episode this week. It's going to be a great episode, man. People don't even know this is the one you don't want to miss. It's more like a brotherhood conversation than a real podcast. Interview. So I'm excited for this one, brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. I agree with you, man. I'm looking forward to I think this is probably going to be the, the realest episode that uh, that our listeners uh, have, have gotten from us. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, as customary, you know, before we get to our, our guests, you know, we always talk about our Twitter poll. I've uh, been getting a lot of good feedback. Coaches keep that information coming. Um, but let's talk about our poll from last week. I think uh, last week we asked coaches what their thoughts were on a few of the return to play options that have been tossed around. Uh, so what kind of feedback uh, did we get, Coach? Man, I, you know, I thought it was interesting. I'm, I'm shocked. Um, 54% of the coaches said they prefer to wait to July if that meant that uh, we could get all the kids at one time. Um, the June start, 31%, but it would be limited due to social distancing. Was not shocked by this. 10% said, I ain't coming back to as a vaccine. <laughs> and I, I was just, and I was just talking to somebody, Travis. Uh, I go back and forth daily. I, I try, I'm trying to, to focus my life more on, of course, optimism and seeing, understanding that no matter the glass is half full or half empty, no matter how you see it, the good thing about the glass is it's refillable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, uh, one day I'm like, yeah, man, I can't wait to get back. The next day I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, and I think it comes from a lot. Of it comes from the fact of. You know, whether you've had somebody in your family affected, but then you look at the kids who are all um, hanging out and doing stuff with all the trainers. Then mm-hmm. it too is the notion of none of us are 100% sure what August the 5th looks like in our respective districts. And so I voted for other, because I don't, I don't really have an opinion on it either way. I would love to see um what the plan is for school going forward but i mean um i miss the kids i want to be around the kids i want to joke with the kids more than i'm worried about them running my glance that's on rpo mm-hmm. so but you know um i don't even know what that looks like man and they, you know not to get too personal but i hadn't really seen you know a lot of p- people in my family since this whole thing did it because of abundance of caution for other reasons so it, I think that weighs heavily on all coaches. But if there's some way to get the kids in July, I was shocked that a lot of coaches said that. I, I thought that a lot of coaches would be, man, it's got to get back to football. So in that sense, I guess I'm happy that coaches are being patient. But, you know, I, I get it. You know, what, what's your thought? Man, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit like you. Uh, uh, my, my vote kind of depends on what day you ask me. You know, uh, the, day, the day that we posted the poll – uh, I was feeling the July start with all the kids. I'm definitely against the June start with nine kids uh, or, or 10 kids, however, it may, however many it may be. I, I don't want to do that. Um, but I know that's the option that, that people are throwing out. Um, the July start with all kids makes more sense. If we're going to get back, if it's just a necessity that we have to get back, that makes a little sense. But then a, a part of me 
kind of feels the, the neither, you know, until we get a vaccine. Uh, and then I'm like you with the other as well. Um, I have the, I think, you know, and, and this is our biggest poll. We had over 400 uh, coaches or people vote on this poll. So this shows you how big of an issue uh, uh, that it is. You know, coaches are really biting, chomping at the bit to get back to work, you know, and get back to the kids like you mentioned. Um, I have the blessing and the curse of uh, looking at this from three different uh, three different ways. Uh, the first is as a coach, just like everybody else. You know, I miss my kids. I'm ready to get back to work. We missed spring ball. I was looking forward to uh, seeing what the, ne the next version of our team was going to look like, you know, some, seeing uh, how some kids were going to be able to perform under some pressure, uh, just the interaction, all the things that coaches are, are, are that you mentioned and that other coaches are, are talking about they miss. Um but at the same time, you know, I want to make sure that we're doing it in a in a safe and uh, effective uh, manner. Uh, then you throw in the uh, AD part of it. You know, I, I get to look at look at it from that viewpoint as well. Um, whereas to no matter what uh, the GHSA says or or, you know, the powers that be may say, you know, we still have to go through our individual district at some point. Uh, if GHSA gives us a green light to do such and such. You know, if our district doesn't approve, it really doesn't matter. You know, so the AD part of me is like, just sit tight and be still until, you know, until they, until we get some kind of guidance. Because right now it's just a lot of conspiracy theories almost. You know, a lot of different uh, options are being thrown out. There are more than just the three that we listed on the polls. So, you know, uh, the AD in me is just wanting everybody to be still, sit tight, and just wait till we get some type of instruction. You know, and then the third one is, which I'm, I'm pretty sure you can uh, you can vouch for as well is as a parent. You know, my kids don't play football, you know, or uh, but they, you know, they play other sports. But as a parent, do I want my child, you know, out and uh, susceptible to, to to get the disease or or being around other kids who I don't know, you know, if they have it or not, or if someone in their family may have it, you know, just the unpredictable things that are involved as a parent, you know, so there's a bunch of different angles that you can look at, um, you know, and of course, you know, you got to play devil's advocate as well, you know, I want to get back to work, but at the same time, I want to make sure that we're doing it uh, as safely as possible, you know, I, I know you're missing your kids, but uh, if you like me, or you enjoying that time at home with you, with with your with your your biologicals a lot more. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think that's, that's the answer to this is so heavy, brother. And you know, I love our podcast. We get to talk honestly and openly to the coaches who are listening to this. I think a lot of this depends on that perspective. Are you in a place where it hasn't been hit heavy? You know what I'm saying? Do you feel like? Um, your demographic, for example, both of us happen to be African-American males. And I'm a math person. I tell people I teach AP stats. So when I look at it, I look from that data aspect. You know, the zip code I grew up in in the Cat County is the hardest hit zip code in the Cat County. The zip code I live in Gwinnett County is the third hardest hit zip code in Gwinnett County. And we touch each other, the cabin Gwinnett. Does that make a difference in how I feel? Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to a coach where they didn't really have that many cases. I worked in a district that, that kind of was the first big district to have a teacher have it. Does that affect how I feel? So I, I get all those things. I see the curve closing. But I mean, that's not even a word. I know I see the curve flattening. But, you know, I worried about, is, could there be a second uptake? It's so many factors. Like you say, the good news is, man, and, I, and I've been a head coach, and I tell you all the time about being a head coach. One thing that you sacrifice is, I got a son that's nine, man. I remember when he was one. 
I don't remember a lot of stuff that went on between one mm-hmm. and nine. Mm-hmm. I spent all my time trying to raise somebody else's kid. And I knew, yep. you know, trying to find that balance. That's why when you asked about the polls, about Sunday meetings, et cetera, I spent a lot of time raising somebody else's children, praying that my wife could raise mine. Whether that's mm-hmm. right, wrong, or indifferent. And that's kind of how I spent. But, you know, my, my, my four-year-old is attached to my hip. And I feel like a, a first-time parent in a sense because it's a lot of stuff with my oldest son that I, that I, that I miss, you know. I used to look forward to him Saturdays going to karate practice with him. We go, he goes, I have keto. But mm-hmm. guess what I did the majority of the time when he was sitting in half keto for two hours? You was on I was the phone, drawing up plays. And <laughs> Hold on, you already know. So I'm there, yep. but I'm not present. And so I've had a chance to be present. I'm, I'm, I'm real good at this third grade work, man. I can teach third grade next year. <laughs> I ain't trying to, but I can teach third grade. So I think that's a, a big factor in, in all of this. And let me ask you this. Um, as the AD, I want you to put on your AD hat. Uh huh. Because I think you know, me and you talk every day. People don't. People may not know that, but me and you talk probably all day every day. Um, mm-hmm. From the AD perspective, because there's so many things going on with you guys. It's a. It's possible that you can see some systems open up before other systems, and then Correct. B. From an AD, we all know that whether it's college or high school. Football pays a lot of the bills. Mm-hmm. Um, briefly, and that might lead to a poll question next week, but briefly, kind of what are your thoughts on the decisions having to be made? Would you be opposed to having football with no fans? Or would you be okay with saying, if given the option of no fans in the stands, or moving it to February, I would pick that? That that's that's one of those things. Like you said, there's so many unknowns and so many variables out there as far as when we can get back to work or what he, what the season is even going to look like. You know, we're going to have games, but there's going to be no fans, or we're going to have games and there's going to be limited fans. You know, or we're going to have games and it's just going to be you know back to work like usual. You know, so all of those things are thrown out there as an AD. You know, definitely football is the money maker. You know, fo- the football and basketball are going to be your what what finances your whole athletic program, you know, and primarily with football being the big money maker, you know, and um, I did budgets, uh, you know, I just uh, uh, got my budgets approved for each sport and, uh, and I, you know, I met with my coaches and in the budget, you know, I tried to try to leave room for, you know, us probably not making as much money from, from, from home gates, you know, as, as we have in the past. And, you know, and I got to a point to uh, my principal and I, where we found a number that we kind of felt comfortable with, but now with so many different scenarios out there, I'm, I'm wondering, okay, do I need to take another 10, $15,000 off that number? Okay. So if I do that now where I got to cut 15,000 from some of these other sports, you know, as, as, as it relates to things that we were trying to do. So, from from an AD standpoint, you know uh, the 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 being in guideline with with whatever you know guidelines they put in place. That's going to be you know uh, what's it's not. I won't say easy, but that's going to be something that you know we can just you know you relay it to your coaches and and you know we just make the adjustments as coaches. That we that's what we do. We adapt to situations and we make adjustments. You know, but from a budgetary standpoint, I'm kind of you know I'm 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 anxious, but I'm I'm kind of you know, scared at the same time, you know, because if, if we can't have fans in the stands, then that's going to affect us much more than, I mean, it's going to have a, a really big, much more uh, effect than, than the average person can see, you know, cause now you got people who were counting on some of those supplements, 
and, you know, gate workers and things of that nature, people who are counting on being able to make that extra little money, uh, you know, to do things with their families and things that are, are not going to be able to get those things done. So it's, it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy from an AD standpoint, but, it, but going back to what you said about, you know, just talking about the family, man, I that's, that's the part that, that I'm really on, you know, because like you, you know, I, I've done better than I have in the past, uh, the past couple of seasons about being in the moment, you know, when I'm with my family, uh, and with my kids, I'm just like you, you know, you're at, kid functions and your own phone looking at her and things of that nature you know i um I, I hate i hate you know not to make light of the situation you know because I, I hate what we're going through you know people are dying and things of that nature but you know i'm i'm a firm believer you know you know god don't make no mistakes you know everything happens for a reason and I, i'm a firm believer that this is a time for a lot of us especially as coaches to sit down you know what i mean to, to sit down and, 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 you know, rebuild some bridges that might've been broken in the past because you're so busy. I've done things with my kids the last month and a half, man, that, that I hadn't done in a long time, you know what I'm saying? And I, I enjoyed, I was telling my wife the other day, man, I, uh, my, my youngest son, we know we just finished, uh, learning, really learning how to ride his bike. And, you know, me and him, we rode around the neighborhood for 30, 45 minutes, you know, no phone, no nothing. When I got home, I told my wife, you know, I really enjoyed it. But if we were if if we were in full go as far as football goes, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have done that. The opportunity would have presented itself, but I wouldn't have done it. So you know, I say to all coaches, and you know, not just coaches, but people in general, you know, let's let's try to stop playing the guessing game as opposed to what's going to happen. You know, you know, have, I recommend you know you have three or two or three plans in place for for the different, you know, things that could happen, but let's just let it play out. You know, in the meantime, while it's playing out, take care of yourself, you know, take time to, to spend some time with your loved ones to, to, you know, get back to some normalcy, things of that nature. I think if we, if we do that, then I think, you know, we'll start to see some, uh, some, some more benefits in, in us health wise. And then who knows as far as, you know, what the plan will be. Uh, in in the near future, you know, not to get on the soapbox things of that nature, but that's that's something that I'm real big on right now, man. Is that family time that I'm really enjoying, uh, and and focusing. On, we talk about control the controllables. You know, most of us aren't in a position to decide to decide when we can go back and you know what the guidelines and stipulations are going to be, but we can control our own households and how much time we put into spending with the ones we love. So that's my spiel, man. This you your know. podcast. You, you, this your podcast. You're welcome to go into <laughs> a spiel. You know, before before you kind of get this show going, man, I, I, you know, I'm a quote guy. You know how I love my quotes. So I'm going to leave one quote that I'm giving back to you to get this thing going with our guests. Um, one of my favorite quotes from last year was, uh, from this year, excuse me, is if you don't pick a day to rest, your body will. Mm. And so... You know, in a sense, the good thing about that is we weren't spending time, some of us with our family. So nature decided to um There you go. To to spend, you know, to, to give us some time. Yeah. I'm looking Still forward to go the find a yeah, I'm looking forward to going to get in the deer stand eventually again though, because I'm hungry, man. So uh <laughs> <laughs> go ahead and get this I thing going, you, man. man. And I can't wait to hear get this thing going and people can hear our guests. Like you said, it's gonna be a real one, a real live which uh, no employee slash boss and I and my brother. So let's get All this right. thing rolling. All right, here we go.
Coaches, thank you for your input in last week's poll. Please continue to share your thoughts and opinions every Friday. Uh, now allow me to introduce our guest for today's show. Our guest is a very, very good friend of mine, good friend of Banks. He's a vet in the game of coaching, very well known and well respected by coaches from across the nation. Podcast listeners, join me in welcoming to the show the head football coach for the Douglas County Tigers, Coach Johnny T. White. What's going on, White? What's going on, fellas? This is an oh, honor. I'm glad to have you, man. Two of my best friends. I'm, indeed, I'm indeed. This. We're glad to have you, man. So let's just, let's go ahead and jump right in it. Won't you tell us a little bit, uh, myself and Banks, you know, we know, we know who you are, but won't you tell our listeners a little bit about your story, about your coaching journey? Okay. Well, I played football at Liberty University, graduated from Liberty in 1994, ended up trying to go back to my old high school back in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I'm from Virginia Beach. Tried to go back to First Colonial High School. Of course, they didn't have any uh, head coaching job. So my and when they interviewed, interviewed by the guy named who was my mentor, Cadillac Harris at Green Run High School, who gave me my first job as a defensive coordinator. Twenty four years old. I did that for two years. Uh, the first year we were ten and one. The next year we were eleven and one. Eleven. I mean twelve and one. And then what happened was during that spring after that second year, he disappears for a week and uh, he comes back and I'm in my classroom teaching. I teach social studies at the time I was teaching world geography. And he says, we need to go see the principal. And I'm scared to death. Like what I done did, I ain't stole no money, I ain't <laughs> touched nobody. Why they called me in the principal's office? So we go in the principal's office. He said, Johnny, sit down. And he sits down. He tells the principal, he said, listen, uh, I'll, Cadillac said, I just took the job at Elizabeth City State as the head coach of Elizabeth State University. I'm going to the college game. He says, you have 10 minutes, Dr. Stowers. Either Johnny White's going to be the youngest head coach in the state of Virginia, or he's going to be the youngest defensive coordinator wow. in college football. Johnny, let's go. And we walked out the office. 10 minutes later, he says, Johnny White, you're the new head coach. So I was 25, going to be 26 in two months. And I was a head coach of basically of the biggest classification of a school at the biggest classification in the state. And I was 25 and we had seven coaches. I had an older guy that was 50. And then the rest of us was 25 and 26 years old. We did well there. Ended up getting the opportunity to go back to college. I coached at Liberty University for a year and a half. Ended up my head coach resigned. So, of course, we all got fired. I moved to Macon. Became defense coordinator at Central Macon, stayed there for two years, met my wife there. Who, so she was actually doing a residency because my wife's a doctor. She was doing a residency in, Chapp in uh, Chattanooga, so I wanted to get closer. So I took a job in Atlanta, ended up working at a middle school for a year, spent 10 years at Creekside, the last three as head coach, and then spent three years at Langston Hughes underneath Willie Cannon, and now this is Going into my fifth wow, year. Wow, wow, coach, that is that's a a, a great story, man. And I, I, like I said, I, I know your story. I've heard it before, you know. But every, every time I hear it, you know, it's kind of kind of crazy uh, uh, about, about your journey. Um, won't you tell us a little bit, coach? You've been doing it for a while, like I mentioned in your intro, and and a lot has changed as far as the game of football goes, and and the, the kids and coaches. Won't you talk a little bit about? What changes and what differences be between when you first started coaching and 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 present day as it relates to coaches and and players as well? Oh wow, um, I think there's a lot of differences. I mean, the first major difference is you know 
I think the outside influences, whether good or bad, have definitely changed the game. I mean, when I first started coaching, if your kids didn't get it from you, they weren't getting it from nowhere else. Whether it was academic preparation, whether it was training, whether it was speed work, whatever, they looked to their coaches because that's all they had. That's why we always made sure to make sure all our skill guys ran track, something that I'm still big on to this day because there was nowhere else. Also, from an exposure standpoint, I mean, we had kids when I was in Virginia Beach. Of course, I coached. I was there with Plexico Burris, and I'm still good friends with him. That would get major exposure. But a lot of that exposure was more was more so regionalized. You know, certain air, certain schools came to certain areas. and Like we didn't hear when I was in Virginia, a lot of SEC schools coming to Virginia Beach. So I think that's really changed. And I think now these kids can really expose themselves. But I also think a lot of the outside influences have helped the game in some, in some instances. But I also believe, got to be honest, that it's hurt the game as well. To me, those are the major differences. And also, you know, there's a lot of money things that, are, that have changed hands that, that have kind of helped kids. Because I can remember having to come out of my pocket and pay to get kids, to, uh, to get people to make kids highlight things. Mm-hmm. And I know some of y'all can probably remember that. You know, it was guys who basically had a job as a service, and all they did was make highlight tapes for kids. Now these kids don't pay anybody to make their highlight tapes. They do it on their own. These kids can market themselves now. And now I think it's real big. And I think, Coach Smith, you do a great job of it with us. I think it's big that you that your program, that you market your program and the brand of football that you're trying to that you're trying to portray. I think back then your brand spoke for itself on the field. But now with all this social media and everything else, I think you got to do a good job of promoting your brand. Also, mm-hmm. just not on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah, you, you speak about the number of changes, brother, and it's something that, you know, all three of us talk every day. So this is like a regular conversation for us. But, you know, you talk about those regular changes and good and bad in the game, and, and you see it from the aspect of, like you said, uh, you know, when I was in high school, we ran track. You know, I'm a former head track coach, and so we had our football players on there where they did track, and some of them, now do lacrosse, but now it's, 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 you know, kids are doing both here, but there's so many more avenues as far as the seven on seven, you know, et cetera. But like you said, we had to take care of our kids because nobody else was willing to do it. Now they have other avenues. And you just have to make sure that, you know, you surround your kids with the right people are helping first. Because like you said, I think, that, you know, those are good that you can send your kids to a, quarterback, wide receiver, old line trainer. But also at the same time, um some of those some of these coaches aren't in it for the kids, they're in it for the clout, which is a whole uh, another conversation in itself. Um you, you know, I I wanna you know, what the question, you know, one of the questions that you know we talk about all the time and I want you to explain to a lot of folks. Um I'm gonna take you a little deep here, which I know you don't mind and I wanna go there. You are now your third chance being a head coach. And, um, you know, you had to, as you expressed in your, your bio, you left Preside as head coach. You spent some time at Langston Hughes. Shout out to the AD, uh, Willie Canning. Uh, maybe we'll get him on the interview. You know, that's not a part of the question. Uh, you had to, you left Preside, had to spend some time at Langston Hughes, and then you got DC again. What did you learn in those three years? Um, at Hughes that made you the guy that we know now that's doing a great job of making D.C. a, a powerhouse? 
Um, a lot of different things. I mean, the first thing I can really think about was, like, when I was a head coach at Creekside, that whole Creekside situation, and we'll talk about that a little later on, it left a bad taste in my mouth. And at the time, I was spending so much time not coaching when I was at Creekside, whether it was from a discipline-ass point, making sure the kids were right academically, trying to put out any fire that was going on with the program. I think my last two years at Creekside, I spent the least amount of time on the field working with my kids than I was used to. So the great thing about going to Langston with Coach Cannon was, Coach Cannon always says it, me and Smith talk about all the time, be the head coach of your position. And now having having gotten away from being the head coach, my whole aspect when I been when I went to Langston was I want to be the best assistant coach I can possibly be. I want to be what I was looking for when I was at Creekside. So I spent a majority of my time doing whatever they needed to do. A lot of times he didn't ask. And it, it wasn't just me. It was other coaches on staff, too, from washing the clothes to putting up uniforms to passing out JV uniforms on Wednesday to make sure everybody had what they needed. Because I wanted to take some of that pressure off of the head coach because I understood having been a former head coach how full his plate was. So my thing was going over there was, first of all, it was a great environment. It was a great football team. We had some great players, but I wanted Cannon to focus on the things that he felt were the most important to focus on and some of those other little things that maybe that, that we could have did a better job of, I wanted to focus on that. And it also let me go back to being a position coach because I actually wasn't the coordinator there. It was Coach Arnold who does a great job, who's still the coordinator there. It let me take my four guys in the defensive line and try to make them the best, the best I could. And we had a very dominant defensive line when we were at Langston. So I think that's the main thing that I got out that I got out of it. And when I left when I left Green Run the first time and went to college, when I did that at Central, I don't think it was the same because I felt like having left the college game, I still was young. I was twenty nine when I got to Macon and I still had a little bit of that about that me. And it's always been about the kids, but sometimes at a young age everybody wants that that pat on their back. And you gotta forget that. It ain't about you. I mean, you really got to look at your face every every day or every other day to figure out your why if it ain't about you. Because for me, coming from a single-parent home, my mom was 16 when she had me. You know, it was three by the time I got out of high school, me, my brother, and my sister. And all my mom stressed to me was, once you, once you leave this apartment, once you leave this project, you don't never need to come back. You need to make sure you're on your own. So all... My whole thing is to make sure that a lot of kids that are from those same opportunities have a chance to really not just change their life, but change their generation, change their family dynamic. So that's real big for me. And even the ones that are okay from a socioeconomic standpoint, I still want to teach them to be good men. I want them in the bottom line in 20, 10, 15 years to come say thank you to anybody because now they're good fathers, they're good employees, they're good workers. They're good, you know, they're good husbands. So that's my mm. job right now. Is I'm trying to develop men. Well, well Coach, you, you kind of went into uh, into my next question a little bit, uh, and I, I'll give you an opportunity to expound on We're going to get a little deep in this in this question. Um, I, I've known you for a while now, a little over 12 years now, having had the privilege of working with you uh, at Langston Hughes and now working for you uh, uh, as, your, as your coordinator at Douglas County. Um, 
your love, and I'm going to be real right here, Coach, your love for not only the kids that you coach, but any kid that you come in contact with is unprecedented. And I, I don't see other coaches, you know, not knocking other coaches, but I don't see a lot of other coaches doing a lot of things that you do. I've seen you give your kid, give kids your last dollar. And I've also seen you go out of the way to make sure that they have whatever it is that they need, which you kind of talked about. What is it that drives you to care about kids so much? Uh, it's a name. It, honestly, it's, it's a, and he's still living. It's a coach by the name of Ron Jane. Uh, me and my wife was having this conversation up there. Again, I grew up in a low-income area, but the way our low-income area was set up, they almost tried to, like, segregate us. And it's amazing. Like, I want you to imagine this. I grew up in an apartment complex with 300 units where you had to have at least two children to live in these, in these units. So you're talking about at least 600 kids. Directly across the street from my apartment complex, which was called Atlantic, was one not even not even a quarter mile away called Friendship Village. They had five, four and five bedroom apartments, but you had to have at least three kids. So now these two projects got all these kids right across the street from each other. And our elementary school was right across the street from Friendship. Do you believe they never let us go to school together? So in other words, Friendship could walk to, a, could walk to the high school, I mean, to the elementary school. We had to catch the bus. So now I didn't see a black teacher so I saw a black basketball coach when I was in the eighth grade. I had a black principal in elementary school, but I never had a black teacher. And the one thing he strived in us is he realized where all of us were from. And he said, listen, y'all can make it out of here if you do these things. I'm going to take care of y'all. I'm going to be there for y'all. But if you want to make it, this is what you got to do. And he was a stern disciplinarian in taking care of us. And I knew once I got an education, I just wanted to do the same thing for me or for other kids that he did for me. Because I know if I didn't have a Ron Jenkins, there's no telling where I would be right now. And I just felt like I, I you know, pay it forward. I just owe that to every kid I'm, I'm blessed to have an opportunity with. I want them to understand that, yeah, you, you can have your swag or whatever you want to call it. But at the same time, you can do whatever you want to do if you put the effort and you put your mind to it. So everything I do is just from from back home, just paying it forward and and just saying thank you to Coach Jenkins for instilling that in not just me, but a lot of the guys that I grew up with who are all doing very well right now, all coming from that area. And we noticed that a lot of them that wouldn't listen to Coach Jenkins, you know, we understand what kind of situations they were growing up. You know, some of them in jail, unfortunately, some of them passed away. We all got those stories. I mean, but I just think that, he he was the motivating factor and still is the motivating factor in me doing what I do. Wow, I think that's amazing. You know, uh, and, and you're right, brother. I think for all of us, and you know, it's the the truth for all of us, especially uh, coaches who are you know African American. It was had to be somebody, you know, that made us want to get into this education game because you know, for a lot of us uh, in our community. That's not the, you know, our parents wants to be lawyers, doctors, engineers to, to be financially set. And, you know, education, you know, we eating good, but it's not a fear that you get in if you worried about money. So it had to be an educator that brought you right back to it. You know, my question is, you know, you talked about that defensive line. I don't really want to think about that defensive line because um, <laughs> I still have nightmares of DeAndre Walker. That's a, uh, another side conversation we talk about all the time. Y'all laughing. I ain't laughing at that. Um, 
shout out to him and when Langston Hughes beat us at Newton. Um, for guys who, and you spoke on it, but I want you to expound on it some more. Guys who, former head coaches who want to be head coaches again, or guys who are position coaches, um, who want to be head coaches, expound on, you know, what you did or learned from having to be a D-line coach again before you got Davis County. And what can you tell guys who want another chance of being head coach and guys who are like, well, I'm a position coach, but I still want that chance of being the head coach. What can they be doing? You said being the head coach of their position. Expound on what that looks like to you as a head coach and somebody who did it as well. Um, From a head coaching standpoint, you being a coach of your position is that you're doing everything to make your kids better on a daily basis. But also, for you to do that, you got to be able to develop a relationship with them. Um, I think the, I think kids will, run, kids will still run through the wall with you if they love you. If they don't respect you, I don't care how much knowledge you have. You're not going to get too much out of them. So I think guys that want to be a head coach really need to focus on whatever task you're given. Do it to the best of your ability. If that coach even asks you to wash the uniform, when he comes back, them uniforms need to be washed in a way that ain't nobody ever washed them before. I mean, everything you do, you got to take pride in. You got to take ownership to it. Also, I think one of the biggest issues I have with a lot of young guys that really want to be head coaches is this. They want to sound off about how the, how great they are. The great ones don't need people to, to, to tell them that, uh, to tell people they're great. Let other people be your mouthpiece. So in other words, if you really want a head coaching job, be dominant at what you do and let other people talk about you. Cause when other people talk about how good it goes a whole lot farther than you doing it on your own. And that's the one thing I can say about a lot of people that I work with, a lot of people that I work for. I mean, from Coach Whitley to everybody else, when you're great at something and you have a passion about it, people will help you get jobs that you're not even looking at because they're bragging on because they're bragging on you. They may, I mean, it may be a such situation where a principal may say to me and say, you know, well, Coach White, uh, I think we may have a head coaching job open, and I, you know, it may be a situation where I say like, long as you don't hire Banks and Smith. Cause if you hire one of them, I'm I'm looking for a job. Cause I ain't gonna be there long. They're gonna run me out of time. From from what they from what they do, how good they do, how good they do things. You know, instead of you saying, Well, look at my resume, look at everything I've done, look at my references, look at all these people talking for me. Sometimes it's those conversations that weren't expected to happen for a lot of people in charge. I, I agree, coach, and uh one of one of them, I've been doing opinion. a lot of, you know, Bible reading, not to get spiritual on everybody, but one of the verses that kind of sticks out to me is made a work I done speak for me. And uh and and that's kind of what you what you mentioned in, uh right there. You don't have I think it, in in this age of social media, everybody's so quick to jump on social media to talk about how they've been slept. No, we talk about how the kids do it, but it's coaches and adults that do do the same thing. You know, talk about how we slept on and things of that nature. But if you're doing good work, uh I think your work will speak for you and then those opportunities will come just like you said. Uh well coach as I stated in your intro, you're well known across the country, high school coaches, college coaches, players, uh, all of the above. There are very few college coaches that can come in the building at Douglas County High School that don't already know and have a relationship with Johnny White. Can you talk about the importance of building positive relationships with college coaches and how can a coach uh, who's not doing so right now go about uh, starting that process? I mean, to me, that's the most important thing. 
Because once you build a relationship with these coaches, your kids are going to get better situations because they're going to take you as they're going to take you for your word. You know, that's the good thing about just not me, Smith, you as well. There are a lot of coaches that I know. You got to build relationships. You got to be, but you, but with those relationships, you got to be brutally honest. Don't try to sell a kid to a program that you know is going to get to that program and get caught messing up and skipping class and all that. Cause that's an outlook on you. You know, so the one thing I can say is I always ask, I always ask coaches about their family. I try to get to know them more than about football. I want to have something to talk about that's just not my kids or just not their program. I think them getting to know me and me getting to know them is also going to be a situation where I can say, you know what? This kid fits you perfectly. You know what? Coach, I, I'm not 100% sure. Because the one thing they're going to get from us is, they'll get from me is they're going to get the real. And what I like, what I really appreciate is when a coach asks me if they're on the fence about a kid and they say, coach, would you put your name on? And if I put my name on a kid, I think they're going to get the benefit of the doubt. But I don't get that just based on me showing him film and me giving him a great spreadsheet and me making sure everything is in order. I think it's more so on the relationship that I try to build. The one thing that I always done, that I've always done is every coach that leaves our building, I'm going to text them when they leave and say, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity of you come looking at our kids. Then I'm going to text them again and say, coach, I really appreciate me being able to spend five minutes with you. I really feel like I know you better. And it's honestly, because that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to, I'm trying to, because a lot of these guys, a lot of us that want to get to the next level, it's not an X's and O's thing. If a high school coach wants to go to the college level, it's not an X's and O's thing. It's the relationships you've built with college coaches that they're going to bring you in their circle. So I just think the better relationships you can go, the better you promote your kids, and the better you do it from a humble standpoint, not mm -hmm. thinking that you know everything or that you know more than anybody else, I think it goes a long way. And, you know, boy, um, I don't think people realize, and we say it all the time, it's um, one of the things that Ahmad Tinker says the most, and, and you know, when you say he, he tells for all the time that a lot of these college coaches ain't your friends. They there no. to boot your kids. But when you talk about relationships, and, and I think you expanded on that, um, when you build good relationships with certain college coaches, there are certain college coaches who reach out to me and I'm no longer at new. And so we were able to build a relationship. Uh, you know, guys like T. Will at Auburn, guys like Chris Mars at Florida State, John Hunter, my boy at Wake Forest, those guys, great relationships. And they talk to me now, though I don't have the quote unquote past. And I think, you know, a lot of that is what you said about being honest, about being open. Don't say a kid is six three when he really, you know what I'm saying, five eleven and say, Hey coach, you here at my school. Thank you for coming to Douglas County. But I need you to go over to Lithia because it's another kid over there. And that gets back mm -hmm. to even more so that love that you have for kids that Travis was talking about. And so when people see that gentleman in there that helps. And I think that's why people keep coming back to DC. And that's the relationship that coaches got to have. It can't just be transactional, as we say. It's got to be transformational. And I think that's important. Um, and you talk about relationships all the time. So my next question for you is, you're in a unique situation, um, which is great. The number one thing, and I know you won't echo on it, is I tell people, people ask me what I've learned about being the head coach, I'm going to say it again. Because I said it, I ain't hear it. I'm saying it to myself because I'm going to make sure I hear it for the rest of my life. Do not chase talent. Coaches, do not chase talent. 
Chase Get administration. Yeah, man, I, I know. Trust me, I didn't learn that lesson twice now, so I'm telling somebody else better make sure they learn it. Um, you talk about chasing administration, you have a great principal, Dr. Weaver, who loves Douglas County, who loves athletics, who loves everything. You have a unique thing. Your athletic director now is the person who co-hosts this show with me, your office of coordinator. So, and you guys work well together. And shout out to your last um, athletic director, the guy who helped hire you, Dr. Reverend Al Albert Lindsay. Um, please just expound to people about that relationship with your admin so that everybody who wants to be a head coach will understand that that relationship is more important than 25 five-stars. So can you please talk a okay. little about administration? Okay, so let me go back and let's tell you, tell everybody who doesn't know how I lost how I lost the Creekside job. So I was at Creekside for 10 years. Those last those last four years I was at Creekside, believe it or not, I was the only economics teacher in the building. So I had five economics classes of 35 students apiece each semester. I'm also the head football coach and I'm also the head track coach. So the principal that, that hired me had left. The next principal came in. He decides the second week of school to move to Abu Dhabi. So they put an interim principal in place. Interim principal calls me to the office and says, Coach White, would you do me a favor and make sure that every college coach that comes in the building signs in? I said, yes, ma'am, no problem. This is in September. Okay. She, this lady is the interim uh, principal until February. The end of February, they hire a guy from out of state to come in. Didn't know him, didn't know anything about him, whatever. I'll never forget the day. March the 4th, they, he comes to my room and says, Johnny, you got to go down to the central office. What I got to go to the central office for? Okay, I go down to the central office. When I get there, the uh, central office of Fulton County says, Johnny, you've had 80 uh, coaches come to your classroom doing instruction. That's unacceptable. We're not going to renew your contract because the administration that I was working for during that time believed that you're not a coach, you're a teacher. And they said that coaching was only a supplemental job, no different from you being an assistant band director or in charge of a, of a, a club or a sponsor of a club. So that left a very bad taste in my mouth. And I realized from right then, any next job, head job I took, it had to be a administration, I wanted to hear the goals of their program, what they expected their head coach to do, what would they allow, because if that administration is not going to let coaches in your building, you're going to lose kids anyway, because those kids are going to realize they're not, they're going to have a hard time being recruited, but you really want to work for an administration that understands the recruiting process, also understands that a college coach does not have to come to your building, and a lot of times they can't give you an exact time, because it's based on traffic, based on where else they got to go, wherever they see the need to go see. So the administration from backing you from your schedule, from backing you financially, from backing you to make sure you have access to coaches, from backing you to hiring your staff, making sure you have certain amount of teaching slots, or if there's a teaching opening coming, will you get first dibs of it? All that's the most important in chasing talent. Because you can have five stars, but heck, if you don't have a weightlifting class, if you don't have coaches that can come in the building unless it's only in planning or if they're only going to allow you to have two or three coaches in the building total, then that program is, on, is not going to be as successful as the ones that have all the avenues and all the interests 
uh, available for them to have a successful program. So I agree with you, Banks. I'm totally uh, believing that. I, I agree as well, man. I think, talent. like like you said, we have a really good situation. You know, we have Mr. Weaver and uh, bef- and bef- had uh, Mr. Lindsay before he left. Uh, and and those guys were were all about you know they're they're academic guys you know they want they want to see uh students student success in the classroom but they understand the relationship between athletic success and student achievement as well. One thing I tell uh tell guys who are or getting a chance to interview uh for these head jobs is when they when they open the floor for you to ask your questions one of your questions in in some some form or fashion you need to question and ask that principal. Uh, what their future plans are, you know, because if you got a principal that that's planning on leaving in the next year or so, you know, for whatever reason, then that might not be the job you want. Like like you mentioned, you know, you get a principal, a new principal who has a who has a totally different agenda from the previous uh, principal in the previous administration and one that doesn't match with yours. And now you got yourself in a situation. So that that is very good advice. Uh, unfortunately, coach, we come to the end of the show, man. We I, We could talk for days. Uh, we may have to get you back on the show at, at one point, uh, but we like to finish our show with our finisher question. That's what we call it. Uh, and then we want to get your viewpoint and, and your answer on this. What is the one thing that high school coaches should make sure they're doing in their program or school? To me, it's building relationships with your kids. Your kids got to realize that you love them regardless if, they, if they're all American, if they never play a snap with you, uh, for you. I think once you build those relationships and they run through the walls for you, then you're going to get the best out of all of them. Also, I think we all got to do a better job with all this social media and everything of still making these kids understand now, yeah, we want you to promote yourself. We want to try to get you all in school. But it's but remember, we're playing together for that name that's across your chest. I think that's the most important thing. Is, you know, so many of them in the me generation. But I think we need to make sure that they focus that this is a team game that we're playing. And the only success that we're going to have is as a team. And the better our team are, the better our team plays, the more opportunities you're going to have for your individual goals. So I think relationships, your culture's got to be on tack and make sure that these kids understand it's us. I like when everybody's got these us against everybody shirts. That's fine. But make sure that they understand that you cannot do this by yourself. You're going to need your team to lean on. You got to trust them. You got to love them the same way we love our coaches, love our kids. We got to learn these kids to love each other. And I think if you do that, then your program's going to be I agree wholeheartedly, Coach. And I like the phrase that you use a lot of time talking about building relationships with the kids. You, uh, you, I think you even had it pinned on your Twitter account. Uh, the kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So I think that kind of sums up. Uh, what you just talked Amen about. Well, that. that's our show for tonight. We want to send a big thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and keep the interactions going. You can follow the podcast at Georgia High School Football Chat. That's at G-A-H-S-F-B Chat. You can follow myself, Coach Travis Smith, at underscore Coach T. Smith. Again, that's at underscore Coach T. Smith. Coach Banks, how can they keep up with you? T Banks one nine zero six T Banks one nine zero six and guys make sure you answer the football Friday questions. All uh, right, Coach White, comments. how can our listeners keep up with you and the Douglas County football program? Uh, my uh, individual account is at, at Coach JTW, and our football account is at DC Tigers two thousand. There we go. So on behalf of our guest, Coach Johnny White, and my co-host, Coach Banks. 
I'm Coach Smith, and this has been another episode of the Georgia High School Football Chat Podcast with Smitty and Banks, where culture is for coaches. We on the grind in Georgia all the time. It ain't nothing on my mind, but Georgia.